Hello and a welcome to The Dive, presented by Honda, Season 5, Episode 2. Tried to trick me in the script here. It says number one. It's not number one. He's too good for that. Uh, <laughs> 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 nice little test you got there. Uh, we've decided for... Our producer just edited it too. <laughs> He's making you look crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. I see two. Yeah, it's those two right there, Kobe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing to see here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so for people who don't know, we have a Google Doc and we all have access to it. So we can like write messages to each other sometimes where we're like, it's time to move on. Our producer's like, nothing to see here. <laughs> Actually, just quickly highlighted it as I'm saying it. Um, regardless of... See, episode one or two, you know, I guess that's up for discussion. Um, we've decided for this episode to steal one of the uh, a, a segments that David Freak Turley decided to come up with. Um, <laughs> yeah. Isaac, would you please be the host of sure. our new tradition, Cash or Trash, for yeah, week so one of the lock-in tournament? Uh, Freak introduced this when I was casting with him the other day, and it's obviously awful, but that kind of makes it great. <laughs> Uh, so you're, I'm going to introduce a couple topics and we got to decide, was it cash or is it trash? So perks, <laughs> Simple uh, game. his, his first week in the LCS cash or trash. I think this might be one of the more difficult ones because yeah, this is the first, after hard. the first game, this would be easy. Boom, trash, <laughs> throw them in the trash. Then you look in the trash and you're like, there's some quarters in the trash. Is that, that's money, so but I, it's, I it's not really trash. So I, I think I picked that out. I, I tend to throw out a fair amount of stuff. Like it can, it can be decent, you know, like I just moved and I'm like, do I need to throw out all this stuff? It's like, well, it's easier than moving it. So whoosh, give it to like people nearby, whatever. So mm. yeah, I'll put perks in the trash. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> wasn't like full-on trash but even his second or his third game which was fine i don't want to say it was bad but like he had 21 percent kill participation while zven vulcan and blabber just murdered everyone around him so like i, I think it's still pretty clear they're not all mm -hmm. on the same page exactly um that was like the zero one and two game right yeah when yeah and had like 10 kills <laughs> yeah blabber yeah. had like eight or something <laughs> To, to me, to me, this is like you know. There's not a lot of wiggle room in this scale here. It's cash or it's trash. Yeah, that's why I that, said that's trash. So, whole so it's point trash. of the game here. It's, it's trash for me because uh, I think based on expectations, you know, of course he's joking, but the tweet not going to die in the tournament. He's going to come in. He's got a Smurf. Expectations were really high, right? Like most people thought Perks was just going to massacre everyone from the word go, and we didn't get anything even close to that. We got. A, a pretty bad game. I would say the Nobody Galio game was go. pretty was pretty good, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then the Zoe game was like, could that have been any mid later in the LCS? Yeah, probably. Probably could have been literally any one of the ten. Wouldn't have noticed. Um, so to me, like based on me thinking, okay, he's gonna slam everybody. This was trash. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you were gonna label this cash. It, it would kind of be ridiculous because you're putting it up against $5 million of cash. And it yeah. certainly was not $5 million <laughs> of cash. If it was under that category, it was probably like $2 or something. So uh, that's right, going to so be a three, trash three for all trash. three of us. All right. NA talent. NA talent week one. We got a lot of young players. We got, uh, you know, some rookies coming up. Some people have been around for a while improving. What do you think? Cash. cash. That's cash for me. You have to look no further than the freaking collegiate players 
everyone was like this team hard 10th including all of us by the way that's one thing that we all agreed on we're like yep they're they're gonna be shit <laughs> iconic came in highest kda of the tournament after the first two days 25 smashing it with uh you know talia compositions for the team and even though they ended up losing uh even the the second game i thought they played it really well mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, the gameplay coming in, a lot of the execution. And it wasn't just them. It was across the board, a lot of them, too. So I'd say that's cash. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're lumping in the OPL prospects in here. Um, yep, they're in you know, their talent. NA resident. All right, baby. I mean, <laughs> FBI still looks incredible. I mean, who under, under this category, I mean, there's a lot of people you can throw if they're like NA residents. Uh, I won't go that far. But like, uh, you know, like tactical still looked really good. Some of the more uh, no names as well. So there's a, the, the new crop of talents. Really good. Yeah. Uh, so both new and old blabber was still incredible. Like I thought, you know, more or less every, every NA uh, player looks pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Next one here. We got fudge. What do you think, Mark? This is also the C9 ones are hard. Um, I would just the performance. Yeah. I mean, you you can justify based on what your expectations were or whatever, but fudge, give it to me. Probably trash. It was definitely yeah. trash. What? You 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 sound so sad, and you had to like debate over it. Well, because like I mean, I know he's hyped up and stuff, but it is still the first. Why, why is the tone so sad now? I went with like two seconds, and Mark is all like, oh, "I'm not sad. I'm contemplative. All right, I just." I'm uh, it's, it's, it's harder than because there's not a Mark's five million dollar contract <laughs> on him. You know, it's a lot harder when it's a, a new player. I know he's you're not all, new, new, you but... were all happy before. Oh, yeah, fuck this guy. He's trash. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not fun, man. Uh, I mean, he came in talking, talking a bunch of trash. So like, we got to put it up there. It's not this is nothing personal, you know, and it's not like, ah, oh, you're you're trash forever. People are easily going to bounce back in week two it's week one. This, yeah. is, this is week one, you know. Yeah, he came in talking a big game, so you got to put up big numbers to be able to get in the cash category. Yeah, th- this for me was uh, was definitely trash. Uh, Fudge, I I was like, he was my question mark. You know, I was the one who didn't put the, them first because I was kind of like unsure how he was gonna look, and I, I feel somewhat up. reaffirmed in not putting them first place just because I I didn't have the biggest expectations, but I would say I was still disappointed. I don't think he looked good in any of the three games. Um, that even in the ones that they slammed, he was kind of like the felt like the lone weak spot where they were kind of like patching, patching it up a little bit, trying to help him out. I know there was some disparity in jungle difference, but like they had a Galio Camille game where he wasn't really uh, going, you know, I, I don't think he was like awful by any means. But when I compare it over to like Alfari, uh, who was supposed to be like their main competition, Alfari was stomping every game and Fudge was was kind of like needing to get bailed out a lot. He wasn't feeding, but he, he definitely wasn't impressive. Uh, I do want to say, short, very quickly though, that the, a number of people have already taken our power rankings, or and they're like, "Ha ha! Look what happened week one, idiots!" I got some <laughs> from TL people when they they lost. I got it from uh, some. Yeah, I told people. you that was gonna happen. I know it's so funny. Like, it's like it's the end of spring power yeah. ranking. Yeah, like all the all everything. Like Azale, you can still be wrong. Don't 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 start celebrating yet that you put C nine lower. You don't I'm know. not. I'm just saying that this, you got, this you got party, made me feel vindicated. Party favors I going mean, off. You're shooting Nobody players. put EG number one. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> dumbos. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of uh, 
of okay next team we actually uh, hold on little, quick, quick quick uh quick little addition here uh dive power rankings cash or trash looks like they were trash, trash. idiot trash. yeah very trash, trash. Extremely of, trash. there'll be end three of, new talent on for your next episode of the dive <laughs> end of, dive power end of spring trash. end, end of been spring marinating in the sun <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> get that away from me all right uh we got who he next cash cash Cold hard cash, probably the the coldest and hardest of cash. Yeah, <laughs> is he? Keep going. Finish. Go no, let him keep going. Just let him keep talking. No, I'm, I'm pivoting. Yeah, he looks really good. Uh, they, you know, him and FBI basically picked up exactly where they left off. I mean, him and Court JJ feel like one two in in the discussion for best spot lane uh, in the league right now. I mean. Like even when they they squared off, you know, Core JJ and Tax have got the the first blood, but then mm-hmm. they use their range advantage, uh, Huki and, and FBI to keep pressuring and worked better with their team and like pulling their dives off. So. And also their Olaf advantage. Also their best jungler in the game advantage. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean it shows that you know they bounce back. I, I I don't know. It was it was super fun. That was my favorite game of the weekend easily. Are they are they cash enough to be the best bot lane in the league? Vulcan no. and Zven looking pretty good too. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's all up in the air still. Yeah, all I think I think people just talking about the TL Golden Guardians bottom lanes in the conversation are kind of disingenuous. They're leaving leaving the Cloud Nines bottom side out. Yeah, they're 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 definitely looking good. All right, next one we got Hooney. Trash, trash. <laughs> there was a moment where you're looking at it and you're like, "Wait a second! Look at that Nar ultimate!" You know, countering, getting it into the wall. Is it? Is that cash? No, no, no. Just, just kidding. I mean, no, you need was... like the Men in Black mind wiper thing to forget the first 30 <laughs> minutes that led up to that <laughs> ultimate. Well, it wasn't even just that game. It was the other Nar game too, where he's just in bad spots. He's not respecting where the jungler was. Uh, it just felt like he he was off in his own world in a lot of these games, and he did have some good moments, but. Um, yeah, it just didn't feel like he was coordinated well with the team. Uh, that one death where they like take Rift Herald and then like he's going forward to Meganar, his, his opponent in a 1v1 against Talia Jungle who just took Rift Herald and they know that he's there and mid lane's missing and then he dies and it's like, oh, well, who could have predicted that? You, you know what it was? This is this is some Monopoly money that had gum on the back of it and you're like, wait a second, that kind of looks like cash from afar. Ah, they got me again. It's fake. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the hook on it. They keep <laughs> pulling it back. Uh, uh, impact. Easy cash. He was he was the week one MVP impact. Of course he's cash. Yeah. <laughs> Big but, check right in right in front of your face. This is like the blown up one that you win after tournaments that you have, you can't actually use. It's like is this cash? Oh yeah, you can actually turn that sucker. Don't compare in. impact to that. Those tournament winnings are like a, see it in eight months. Impact showed up day one and started dominating. All right, he is like he tournament. Your you get your tournament buff. Was he your vote for uh for the MVP of the week as well? Yep. Yeah, all three unanimous. Yeah. All right, there you go. Best player. Uh, he, he seemed. He did, do you th- guys think it's fair to say that that was the the pickup that went like most under the radar compared to to like actual value of it? For sure. Is that a reaction too early? I don't think so because every time you talked about impact, it was almost always within the context of getting replaced by Alfari. Like the yeah. fact that he went to EG wasn't even the news. It was like, well, he's off Team Liquid. So yeah. I think from that lens it was like no one even cared that impact went to eg and now it's like oh he's uh, still an absolute monster uh we, so. we said that on cast like during the the first oh, yeah? pop-off game so like i i definitely think that's true 
Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because I thought he was amazing. I thought his flanks were amazing. But he also did play three games of Renekton, which is seeming really, really strong right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how he looks as he's pushed on to different champions because I don't think that people are just going to keep giving him Renekton every single game. It's, it's not going to happen. All right, let's talk a bit about the meta. Uh, we got kind of our, our first look at LCS in 2021. Obviously, we have, what, 15 games under our belt now. Um, I know, Mark, you were talking a lot about uh, some <laughs> frustrations with some builds. You want to start us off? Sure. I mean, I uh, just the, the, the Lilia builds in particular, um, I, the Moonstone Renewer has cropped up a little bit more in pro play than it has in solo queue. And I think that makes sense because there's a lot more like standoffish situations where you're fishing with your E and you can just like land it. And what it does is because of the burn on all of her abilities from her passive, you get two procs of Moonstone Renewer every time you hit an ability. Uh, because it's while affecting champions in combat. Um, so like throwing a heal on someone, you're not in combat. And like those kinds of things don't get procs of it. Uh, but all of Lily Beal's abilities are going to proc it. It's going to get two procs every single time. Uh, and it's it's just absolutely nuts the value you get. It spikes at 2,500 gold as opposed to 3,400 from the Leandries. Uh, so you can continue your build earlier. You'll usually be the first person with a mythic item if you go it. Um, and like... You can still go Leandry's Torment. Like, Conavi, for example, in the same series, went both builds based off what his team had. And, like, I had bit my tongue until Armau went it with the Cassiopeia. And there were two Leandry's Anguishes, which doesn't stack. And it, like, had they had so much damage that game. And I was just losing my mind watching him, like, go at, like just go this slow build path when you don't need it. Um, but, yeah. And then uh, there's also the Staff of Flowing Waters thing, which uh, Dardoch did on his Nidalee. Um, mm -hmm. uh I'm I'm going to call that the bathwater build is my my vote for the nickname for it. I know LS is pushing for Moonstaff. Uh, we'll see which which build bath wins. Bathwater sounds community. cooler to me. Yeah, that's that's definitely more hip. Bathwater. <laughs> bathwater. <laughs> Bathwater's bath yeah. big right now with the memers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I liked it. Stardock uh, posted a screenshot of healing done after that game, and he yeah. had twenty seven thousand four hundred eighty five healing done. Uh, the next closest was Graves fifteen k. I will say though that uh, like Leandris is really good with Lilia for the exact same reasons mm -hmm. uh, of the passive proccing it over and over on people. That's why you rack up such crazy mm -hmm. damage numbers with it. So to me, the the big point was that you already have a Leandris on your team. Uh, so uh, and, and sometimes you just need you need actual damage. AP damage from the jungle, right? Because a lot of these teams, you know, if if you are going to go AD top and for example, when we saw like Galio mid and you have an AD top and you have an AD bot, if your Lilia goes Moonstone Renewer, you don't really have a true magic damage threat. So then armor, I think, becomes a little bit too valuable. Um, so I do think both are situational, but uh, it seems like a cool build. And my guess is we're going to see more of it going forward because people are talking about it a lot. So at least it'll make people experiment. Um, what did you guys think about some of the like must bans, right? Because we saw a few that kind of came through. So like... Olaf had been kind of perm banned, got through a little bit. Akali got through what once, I think maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. and also it. it got through and didn't get picked mm. a couple of times, and that yeah. that was very surprising to me. So what was the what was the big like standouts for you guys then compared to expectations as far as pick ban? I mean, it was mostly for me because I was watching a lot of LPL, the Jungle Pantheon, and then the the games where Akali is actually just not even you know getting getting looked at uh th those are the big surprises but i was so hyped for jungle pantheon because 
I had been climbing, just abusing uh, Ivern a whole bunch. So then when I started watching the LPL with the Gore Drinker Pantheons, I started mm -hmm. using that. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I get to kill people again. Oh, my God. It's just the, the two most different types of play for, uh, for champions. Uh, and I really wanted to see some come out of the LCS. But, you got uh, 15 out of 15 bans, though, in LCS. 100% yeah. ban rate so far. Full off was second highest, 13 out of 15. No one wants to deal with that. I mean, I think some of those made sense. Um, I was a little surprised. There were two things I said. Like the, the AD carry priority was a little weird because I felt like in LCK and LPL, AD carry was always taken in the first two positions or like first mm -hmm. uh, phase. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and there was a little less of that. In, and then it dropped to the second phase sometimes. You saw like Zaya and some, some other things. Um, the other thing was Maokai support. I was a huge fan of it when it started coming out with Imperial Mandate, and it took a little bit to start showing up, but then Sword Art popped off on it. He had the second highest damage on his team. He had more damage than Jin. Uh, so, like, I think people will start getting this in before the nerf comes. I forget when the nerf mm -hmm. is heading for it, but either way, Pro Play is a little bit behind that, so you'll get even more time. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, I was definitely expecting more MF um, because at least in solo queue, so many people are doing the like tier lethality comet build where you're just poking people out in lane and, and kind of winning lane through that and then having the ultimate for the team fight. Um, that is is feeling like that is really kind of crushing it in solo queue. And it's definitely more popular in some of the other regions. We only got the one MF pick um, and it did win, but only came through once. Wasn't really getting banned out either. It was just this Ven game. Um, mm -hmm. that you know he, he did have a, a really good game on yeah it, well, that wasn't too su like surprising to me though because there are uh you know an excess of very good ad carry picks right now mm -hmm. uh and and you know in, in lpl and lck also the aphelios gen kaisa uh super prominent too so it's not like ms mf is you know crushing and um dominating the the pick bands in in other leagues and then there was a disproportionate amount um i feel like there actually are just a, a, a quite good options yeah for sure um so besides that i mean nothing, nothing else was felt like really super surprising i guess to me uh it'll, it'll be interesting to see like if there's more continued divergence i think on on some of the the mythics and everything that are they're being built or if people kind of could come to like a conclusion on like okay actually you just build this every time uh because it does seem like there there are some differences in in what people are building um you know if you look towards like things like even alistar right like sometimes people are going uh more of like defensive thing and going for like a, a mythic uh, we have seen um more of aggressive options we've seen like shirelias we've seen turbo chem tank uh when we look at renekton we saw alfari rush play the rune king where like impact was going mythic first every time so that's kind of interesting to me like uh, I'm, I'm gonna be curious to see if this is just like people are coming to a conclusion later on that like one is better than the other or if if, if that variance remains because to me it's actually fun to see yeah like Build diversity versus like just not optimized yet are two different yeah. things. And it's, it's early enough in the season that it's hard to be like, which one is this? I mean, it's to, to me, it's really just uh, like pushing it to your second item or not, depending mm -hmm. on if you have something that's non-mythic that you really want the ability for. Um, and I don't think it's going to be people are like, ah, oh, yeah, we, we got to like push off our mythics for, uh, you know, third, fourth uh, items or no, to the course, end yeah. or there's anything crazy like that. <laughs> it's like set. Dead Man's Plate is so insane on this champion. It was always so core on him because the move speed is everything. 
and so you can you can delay your mythic to to get like a dead man's plate uh for set or blade of the ruin king for renekton because there's such crazy synergy between that champion and that item and the mythic you only lose out on um you know one of the bonuses there if you're if you're getting it second you only have to wait a little bit of time before you get uh, the next bonus in and if that synergy of a non-mythic item is better than your uh you know the mythic active or or passive or whatever go it to town a, it is always interesting with support though because it's like with with top lane and jungle and whatever you can be like i'll push to my second item with support you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't get a second item. <laughs> my second like, item. <laughs> like you're completing you're completing your first item at like 20 minutes right yeah. and then it's like then they're gonna maybe get like the upgraded uh sight zone uh storage thing i can never remember what that's called um you know but it's yeah. like you have your boots you have your sight stone you have the upgraded little storage uh for, for sight stone thing and then you have your item right and it's like you're pretty much never getting to the the final item to like the next item so uh it, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves um when who he did the lulu pick and he just rushed mikhail's it felt like it actually really made sense i, I really like that mm -hmm. um but you know moonstone renewer and stuff can be pretty powerful too right so it's kind of interesting to see the variance there and and even just that pick in itself i liked i do think that they're while while we're seeing so much of, of the engaged champions i do still think that there are situations where you can slam lanes with enchanters or even just get so much value by shutting down a pick like having the point and click polymorph against something uh like samira who has this channel ultimate that like her whole kid is around is so powerful right for the same reason that lulu is always really good against Yi and katarina it was great there so uh, i'm hopeful that while I, I like seeing the engaged champions i'm hopeful we'll see people be a little bit more clever like uh like who he was i think with this pick and, and mix in some of the enchanters and stuff as well because i do think that there's opportunities uh to blast lanes you know with things like nami and stuff also and you can do the adaptation that who he did where you're going guardian and you're going a bit of a more defensive rune setup to to negate the chance of you just getting like 100 to zero and all in yeah and those opportunities come up when you have you know engagers on jungle or top lane roles uh mm -hmm. definitely way more uh prolifically because then that covers your possibilities for later all right let's talk about group a so group a uh, is Liquid, 100 Thieves, TSM, all tied at 2-1 and one right now. Golden Guardians is 1-2, and two, and CLG already down at 1-3. and three. I believe they are already actually like locked out of this because they have played their four games, so uh, they are last because I think they lost to Golden Guardians, question mark? Yeah, um, but anyway, CLG's I had done. seen that they were already already locked out, so I'm not sure if that's 100% confirmed, but... It is, because they, they played all four games, and uh, Golden Guardians already have one win, so best they could do would be to tie Golden uh guardians at the bottom and they lost a the tiebreaker okay yeah so they did in fact lose golden guardian so they are already locked out um thoughts thoughts on this group uh i mean starting at the top the the three team two and one teams it's like one of these things is not like the others one <laughs> of these things just doesn't belong t tsm uh despite being two and one is like the shakiest two and one you could imagine where they did not look good in their loss then they did not look good in their win and relied on speak of baron steals against Golden Guardians of all teams, uh, not to throw too much shit at them because they look a lot better than we expected, but like still, it's a group of young guys uh, who are almost beating you. They just don't have the experience in a macro situation to close out the game. And then, uh, who was their other win? Uh, CL I was going to say, they did look good when they were eliminating CLG from the tournament. <laughs> but I mean, even that was like this 40, what was it, 35 minute grind fest a little bit, where it was like back and forth and CLG had the lead for a period of time? Uh, I don't remember it that way. I remember it being pretty one sided for TSM. 
Cooney was down for like 40 CS in the top lane. They were they were like two or three yeah. kick gold behind for most of the game, if I remember. Uh, okay, so here's what it was. 32-minute was... win. 32-minute win, which yeah, is it's... long in this meta a little bit. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. If But you consider like the team comp they're running. They're running Hooney on Orn into Renekton. So they're knowingly going in, sacrificing top side. He sacrificed to way harder than you got to sacrifice <laughs> yeah, starting like... out you know tier build and sacrificing like okay i'll take this weak side and i'll take it all the way down to the, the tier the tier is so troll because then he just sold off the tier anyway later i mean yeah i, guess I, just I really lane phase but that didn't i really sense. wanted like a twist at the end of that story but yeah I, I mean i guess he just wanted it for for more mana it actually it didn't work out very well because like i'm saying he sacrificed more than usual, then Orn has to usually mm -hmm. sacrifice first Renekton because he was down uh, almost 2k gold super early on um, and a bunch of CS. But back to the point, um, they were playing a longer uh, game style team comp with the Orn sacrificing your early game to a Renekton top side. Uh, the thing to me that made it feel like it was a lot in their control, even though CLG did get the early lead with top side pressure into Rift Trail, giving you that money and having a gold lead. Uh, was TSM focusing on all the objectives and they, they were able to get early dragon stacking versus the team that has stronger early power because they trade the bottom side stuff when they're giving up Rift Herald. Um And then once they once you stabilize the gold in the mid game with a lot of the picks, that actually Huni did a good job teleporting in on Orn and, and mm -hmm. finding long, long range ultimates for those picks. Um, that, that made me feel more solid. I still um agree with the overall point you're making mark of you know team liquid 100 thieves do look better um uh, and especially because of tsm's first couple of game plans and drafts in the first two games um as well as the in-game play this is a team we thought was going to take longer to come together with sword art um having this big role of overhauling the shot calling and, and direction of the team and, and the players all different teams yeah yeah so I mean, I I I think the CLG game, whatever you think about it, they did it, that was their best game by far, right? The Golden Guardian won. Uh, they were doomed if they didn't steal yeah. that Baron, and it was against Callista plus Smite, right? So there was like a good chance they don't steal that Baron. Uh, I think that was more of a Golden Guardians flub than a than a TSM like, wow, we did it, guys, on that Baron steal because I, I felt like Golden Guardians probably could have just gone over the wall and killed off Spica and stopped any chance of that happening. Um, they got slammed by 100 Thieves. So, yeah, they are definitely, I would say, on, on the lower end. But what you can say is at least it feels like it's a little bit of an upward trajectory because they got trashed their first game. Second game was, like, close, but they scraped it back. Third game, they looked the best. So um, I'm feeling a little bit more positive on TSM uh, now than I was at the start of the week. And, yeah, I, I still expected them to be a team that would take more time to actually build up. Um, I think the Maokai game, uh, Mark, you talked about that a little bit earlier, but the Imperial Mandate Maokai, where he like out damaged his Jin and was doing so much, uh, so much damage in that game, that was kind of like something cool to see from Sword Art to see him have this really strong game where he had high impact, you know, on on a new build. Um, so I think there are some positives there, but definitely it, it feels like, based on the games, the other two teams have looked better. Uh, Hundred Thieves did have one really bad game though, and and so did Liquid, right? Um, Liquid actually, you know, I, I, I thought coming into the second day was looking like the best team, probably, you know, based off their first game, they look really, really strong. Um, but all, all these teams have had some blemishes, right? It's only EG that hasn't actually lost the game at this point. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think TL and 100 Thieves, who's better between the two is, is a interesting conversation. Cause yes, mm -hmm. I mean, 100 Thieves <clears throat> won the head to head 
Um, and their first game against C9 was also super, not against C9. They beat TSM and TL. So T- they beat TSM, the other two teams what, that are 2-1. Yeah. Uh, TSM's win was also super clean over them, where they just had this great usage of Talia getting all over the map and stuff like that. Um, so I, I was overall, I think, most impressed with, with 100 Thieves um, for some of those reasons. I think... Uh, you know, someday is slotting in quite well to the team. It's not like they're tunneling on focusing on it. My cat's eating paper. Uh, ignore me while I slide out of frame and keep talking. Uh, he he isn't like, oh my god, 100% have to play around. Even when they had a draft that looked like they, they could have, I think it was like uh, TF uh, and something else, or maybe it was Galio. Yeah. Uh, they still like went bot and stuff like that, which I think actually shows some diversity of play style. So like all those things um impressed me quite a bit out of them and then their their one loss was like glg which was, was which is it's funny because they beat the two best teams you're like they're the best okay um and then they they lost to the worst team right <laughs> like um it, it is it is a little bit interesting just to, to see the the disparity in, in in the wins versus losses for honor thieves right being the best teams losing the worst team um at the same time there, there's going to be some variance, I think, you know, early on in a tournament like this. Teams are experimenting a bit. Um, and and I also don't think that, like, CLG is so far behind uh, these top teams. I think they had a, had a pretty bad entry into, into lock-in, but they also are playing with two subs. So I do expect them to get better as well. Yeah. Uh, Golden Guardians? Gold, Golden Guardians? I don't know if there's anything else you want to throw onto TL before we... We moved out of the top three. We, we could talk more about TL. I mean, I, I think I think still like they they looked uh, really good overall, despite the loss to Hundred Thieves. I think Hundred Thieves looks like a good team. Um, I think TL. I'm feeling like pretty good about having them as as the best team in the league. Um, I think that they could definitely get there. There's going to be some some growing pains for sure, uh, and they did make some mistakes. But like Alfari looked so good to yeah. me in 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 all the games. Uh, he was really really showing that he knew how to not only create his own leads, um, but extend them, you know, even against someday. Yes. They lost that game, but like he was looking pretty dominant against someday. Yes. He, he like did have maybe a, a beneficial matchup, but someday actually got to pick his answer into it. Right. The Renekton was early pick. There was some bans towards someday. So he was pushed down a little bit, but I don't think there's a lot of players in the league that would have been able to do that to someday. You know, he, he was actually getting out to a big lead. He was proxying him. He was fairly far ahead. Somebody had a great team fight later on and, and played well and didn't get, like, absolutely slammed. But um, I think in all three games, Alfari looked really, really good uh, yeah. across, you know, multiple different champions, showed that he knew the matchups, knew how to punish. And his team isn't always even, like, really playing through him. It feels like oftentimes he's just kind of off on his own, creating a, a lead before this the junglers ex- even show up. This is exactly what I expected uh, from Alfari coming in. So this was one of the cases of like, all right, you got what you what you paid for, rather than. But uh, you paid you know, for something really good. You you the, paid for a Ferrari, and you, you go to it. this the steak dinner, and it doesn't let you down. You know, you leave yeah, so which, satisfied. Which, in comparison to the early games uh, from you know some of the the higher paid like uh, like perks, is is not the case. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not something you should take for granted. Is mm-hmm. instant this is what I paid for as soon as he comes over with the team. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the big points that's uh, kind of surprising for Team Liquid because Alfari had two days of practice. Uh, consider If you consider the day, he immediately flew over and landed here as well uh, for Team Liquid. And Santorin will be in for week two. So I think that this team is going gonna, is gonna to keep going up. Um, they have been, as far as the practice, though, practicing with 
um, Armeo for a large portion of the time. So Santorin will have you have a lot less since uh, they knew that they were going to be playing without him for, for a while. So I'll mm-hmm. still be super happy once he gets here and, and he's in w- playing with the team for week two. And I expect team liquid to, you know, still uh, be, be at the top. Yeah. I mean, our, Ar- looked better than I, I thought he would have, uh, but the, the third game, he was definitely the, the standout like player that had some problems uh, that, that I would say the second it. game, the one that they lost. Oh, sorry. That was the second game. Yeah. Whichever one they yeah. lost. Uh, were like one. Yeah, when their bot side got snowballed and he wasn't yep. really in position to protect them, and uh, you know we talked about the build a little bit, like all, all those things kind of contributed. I don't think Jensen played great that game, whereas like Oriana was fantastic. Like, yeah, his I think game was bad. Yeah, the, the team didn't play great as a whole, but I think those are the areas where like when Santorin shows up, you're like, hell yeah, don't worry about that anymore. Yeah, I mean that that was the game where Teal's bot lane two v two kills Hunter Thieves bot lane at level one, uh, but they didn't get a full reset off of it, and then. 100 these stack the wave, push them in, poser dives them. You know, Armeo wasn't there. Uh, and, and they were able to continue to put pressure on like that, like multiple times, diving them, bringing Galio down. And it didn't feel like he was ever really there on the Lilia at the right time. And that, that can be difficult, right? You know, mm-hmm. based on, on your positioning. But that did feel like a situation where it's like, okay, maybe this game is a bit on him. Uh, and Santorin, we obviously do have really high expectations for. He was so good, so consistent with FlyQuest. So, um, you know, we do have to remember that TL was playing with a sub for sure. Uh, and there, there is you know, potential for this team to look even better. But I, but I do think even with the sub, you know, Armeo played good, and they looked really, really strong overall. Uh, Golden Guardians, you know, to move down the list a little bit, I was really pleased with. Yes, they did actually kind of like throw their game against TSM, um, but their first game against CLG was really strong. The second game, I saw the promise. You're laughing about the throw, I guess, but uh, <laughs> like that, they had they had a solid foundation there. Right. You know, that was a, a game that was like one play at the bear. And if they do that better, they can they can bother you that they can see, OK, this is what we did wrong. This is where it went wrong. Um, there were some issues, but like I think Niles, I was pretty happy with how he played overall. Um, you know, Iconic, I think, was amazing through both games on, on the Graves and Talia, especially looked really, really good. So there's like a, a lot of promise there. Right. You know, even even if they lose most of their games and they do end up being 10th. If they can be competitive and, and like show show some interesting games and some some exciting moments, that's like for me a success for Golden Guardians because they are a team that had to completely rebuild with a limited budget, you know, multiple players out of collegiate, people straight out of academy. Um, so I'm I'm pretty pleased with what I saw from Golden Guardians, despite the fact that they are sitting one and two. What is their chuckles? Am I, am I the chuckler or is Kobe the chuckler? No, it's Kobe. Kobe. Yeah, that's why I was like, enough. I'm not making any noise. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no. yeah, I, I think you definitely should be pleased uh, with what you see from Golden Guardians. Uh, I, I was ecstatic with what we got. Um, you know, I, I, I really like the coaching staff on Golden mm-hmm. Guardians, and man, the the gameplay that they had coming out, especially in the first two games for this team, they were so well focused on on their draft and and the game plan that they had coming in off of that draft like very specific things you know like the hard engage one um and then uh the dive one as well uh and the way that they operated it for the early stages of the game we were on the analyst desk and i was like why does this team look so good Uh, actually versus uh, versus the opponents that they're going for uh this is the harder group coming into this i think it was unanimous uh where we were all saying group a looks much more difficult than group b Mm -hmm. uh, because of team liquid hundred thieves and tsm coming into it 
Um, and then it, it kind of ended up playing out that way as well. But um, I just thought the Golden Guardians, like, you know, for the for the majority of even the game, the second game that they did lose with the Baron, um, uh, we were building an analyst desk segment that was like, you know, super rah-rah <laughs> glory. Like, oh, my God, how these guys look so good. Um, you know, look at this execution. Um, and, the you know, the in-game leadership is even there for, for some of the ones where we're like, all right, they're putting two collegiate players with, uh, you know, some academy. And then Stick says you're veteran. Um, there's definitely some question marks uh, at the end. But Stick say played super well. All of the younger guys played super well. Icon- iconic especially was a huge leader for them. The Barons. That's when I started smiling. Yeah. Uh, though, because it was actually multiple ones. The the first one was the was the biggest and the closest. And you're like, oh my god, like that. That's the hinge point. Then they got another one at the end where they get a pick uh, to the five v four to go to the to the second Baron. And you're you're just looking at it. And you're like, oh man, this one is doomed. And you give them more credit for that one because you're like, all right, you need to take lower play, percentage yeah. chance mm-hmm. uh you know plays tor- towards the end try and make the comeback um but but you could kind of see it crashing down as, as they were starting it out you know low health inside everyone's scared in the bear pit like spreading yeah. out nobody's nobody's looking for for the turn and then they're just like oh, okay go for it and, yeah and, and i mean like, you could tell in the back of their heads everyone was like oh man this is, this is gonna be rough i mean even like the uh the TL game, like, yeah, they were they were losing that game pretty handily already uh, with TL just mostly performing better. But like mm-hmm. once it got to that Baron situation where it's like we got top turret, top top inhib turret and Baron and you got a dragon and like they didn't really contest anything correctly. You know, it was like, OK, this is definitely a team of young players who who uh, need to figure out, you know, what they want to do. So overall, though, like that's what you want with a group of younger players like that they're not getting hard dumpstered in lane that they're going yeah. even winning some early games losing some early games but still being uh in it and then like if, if they don't know exactly how they want, they want to close out these situations yet like that's the part where let's go coaching staff and like let's go experience to come in and, and help out yeah I, i'm gonna be interested to see like you know some some of it's tough to know is it like okay is it is it like an experience is it nerves is it like what what's going on with some of the things because like for example in the niles camille game you know, he had this really strong early game and then he missed so many hook shots in like every team fight was like just barely short. And I'm like, is that just, you know, the, the collegiate players wouldn't like aren't reacting as well. So he's like not expecting people to, like be dodging these as much and like backstepping and stuff. Or is that nerves or is that, you know, it, it's hard to know in those kind of situations. So hopefully some of their stuff can get a, a bit more ironed out, but really uh, overall very pleased with them. Uh, CLG to touch on them a little bit it feels hard to really draw much of a conclusion because obviously they had, they had a rough go, um, but they also had multiple subs, uh, you know, so it, it doesn't really feel fair to like prejudge them too much. Yes. And no, I mean like, that's what we'd say, you know, public facing to be like, yeah, we're optimistic, but like, come on, we're all a little bit like, yeah, CLG. Why couldn't you come out stronger for us? Cause because a number of teams are having sub situations or, you mm-hmm. know, like even with subs, like it's Golden Guardians. A lot of these players are coming fresh out of collegiate and you're using Solo and Wiggly or, you know, Griffin now. Like these are not nobody players. They, they all started in the LCS. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they haven't scrimmed a ton together or something, but like nobody has at this point. So I, I agree. Like I don't want this to be like the, the death knell for them any more than it was for C9, not instantly stomping. But that tinge of disappointment can't be like i can't overlook that completely because because it's like ah 
this is an org that's been struggling a lot recently, and to come out and be the first team eliminated is just like such yeah. a such a bad bad like feeling, a mood to have hanging over you. Especially when you went for all veterans. That that's the yeah. part that that hurts the most. I think is that they weren't the ones with the rookie experiments. They're the ones with all the known quantities, right? With uh, you know some of the most games played in the LCS of anyone. So I, I agree. I agree with that, but. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that things could get better for them because uh, if they don't, it's gonna be a sad season. It's gonna be sad. I boys. feel I just feel so bad for Broxa with like super big visa yeah. issues again. Oh my goodness! I, I would say the the one the big bright spot for me was Turtle. He actually still looked really good to me. Yeah, uh, he he made a lot of big plays. Some of them like once or twice it didn't work out, like the flash in the bot lane when he was trying to finish off Sword Art. I think it was. Yeah, like that's exhausted. a big. Yeah, that was a big Usui, but like he had a couple other plays that actually worked out quite well. So I think if, if Turtle can get going and Pobelter works out and Finn actually is is uh on Solo's tier, like I know that sounds weird to compare them, but like Solo was one of the best top players in the league last year. Like if, yep. if Finn works out to be around that level, then then maybe you actually can start start putting some wins together. Yeah, yeah. Um, Turtle, Turtle, I definitely uh, was pleased with, but but I think Turtle last year as well had probably yeah. one of the best years in in a lot of years in his career, right? Like he was actually really good for FlyQuest, um, pretty much the entire year through. Uh, so on to Group B, uh, looking over at the Group B standings, uh, the big surprise, of course, EG undefeated, only team in the lock-in tournament that remains undefeated. Cloud Nine two and one. Uh, Immortals and Dig are at one and two, and FlyQuest uh, has a goose egg at the bottom, but they've only played two games. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm worried for FlyQuest already, though. Uh, if we want to start this one from the bottom instead and and switch it up a little. Oh, hey. Because, uh, uh, yeah, they they uh, they didn't look like they got much going. And I I do feel like they're they're feeling that loss of not having Jose Diodo um, mm-hmm. pretty early on. Because you can see a, a, a lot of areas where there's like, uh, you know, a branch and you could have seen an alternate reality going going out this way. Um, so I, I don't know about you guys, but it looks it looks hard for them to uh, to climb out of the bottom, even though this is the group that has Immortals and Dig um, in it as well with, uh, you know, some of the we were talking earlier about Cash or Trash uh, and a talent, some of those you know, bigger performances that have come from these two teams as well. Yeah, I mean, Licorice has been okay. Like, the Fiora game into Camille was, like, fine. Um, But they didn't, like, blow the game open by any means. Um, And, yeah, Jose Diodo, you're hoping, like, when he shows... Jungle Diffy that game, though, no? Yeah. 0-2-0 in Italy, and Blabber's, like, just killing everyone everywhere on Kindred. I mean, NXI is definitely the biggest... Oh, I'm thinking... I'm getting ahead of myself. That's Immortals I'm thinking of, isn't it? No. That's FlyQuest. Okay. NXI is FlyQuest. He's the sub for Jose Diodo. Both of them have the, the, uh, a jungler missing, and I forget sometimes which one's on which. Yeah, NXI has been a, a big liability. Uh, he was he was a, y- a really young player in scouting grounds this year, um, and I think he was on 100 Thieves next, if I remember correctly. And so, like, he is not LCS ready, to, to be blunt, but, like, not to shame him at all. Like, he's just a developing player, and I, I don't think he was 100% ready and, and kind of got taken advantage of by the blabbers and the dardocks of the world and this kind of stuff. So like, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I have hopes for this team when Jose Diodo, who's supposed to be kind of the other big signing shows up. The one thing I, I will say I was disappointed in was, um, you know, I, I had pretty high expectations for, for diamond. I was actually really excited that he would, he would get to, into the LCS and get to show some stuff. 
it's only two games, but uh, I don't think he looked good in either game. It felt like on the rel game, there was, there was a few times where he's kind of like caught out or had, you know, like wandering through the river and dying in a bad time. Um, you know, a few failed engages on the Leona game. I feel like when you're playing that type of champion, you need to be decisive. Uh, there was one fight that really stood out to me where they were fighting over by Rift Herald and Blabber, you know, he, Blabber was basically just auto attacking him. And he's kind of just like walking slowly past Blabber, just continuing to get auto attacked. And it was like Blabber was holding his cue to try to dodge Zenith Blade, but Diamond didn't even try, right? And they moved all five people up to fight at this Rift Herald. And he didn't even throw a Zenith Blade before getting auto attacked solo by Blabber down to about 30 or 40%. And then they just disengaged because he was low. And it was like, like, give me something, man. You know, like yeah. you, you need that, you need that killer instinct. Like you need to at least go for it, especially if you're going to play that style of champion. Like if you're the go button, if you are playing and in that game, he was because it was Leona, Jin, Oriana, uh, Nidalee and Fiora. Right. So it's like, he is the person who has to engage in that situation. So I, I guess I was a little bit disappointed that it felt like he, he wasn't playing with kind of that killer instinct. Cause I felt like when I watched him in Academy, he did play with that confidence. Um, and I don't know if that just felt was like he felt like they were in a losing position or it felt a little bit different playing in LCS for the first time kind of thing, like, you know, moving up and being a starter. Uh, but I, I will say that I think NXI was a liability. I don't think he looked, you know, L- LCS caliber, um, but I, I wasn't as as happy with some of the C9A guys as I was kind of expecting to be. Big agree. Moving up uh, to Dig, a pleasant surprise, I think we can say. Uh, unless Kobe had a final thought, there. <laughs> you sound so confident, Mark. <laughs> I always do every time. I want to. I just. I just don't want to advance. If you, if you know, Kobe, you were, you were waiting. No, I mean, I, I, on your statement of, uh, of. Uh, oh, oh, no, no, I, I felt a decent. pleasant surprise. Well, that was won a... their first game, and then it went downhill, kind of. So I think that's why he's got a little bit of a little yeah. question and, mark in there. And there are some individual players who looked good even if they didn't win like Saligo has had some good performances mm-hmm. um you know so like i think that was one of the the bigger question marks was like ooh, how is he gonna do and he, he's been okay uh and you know i, I think that's a, a big part of if their solo lanes can hold up if this team has a chance because dardock looked pretty good i, I would say um afro looked fine like uh still question mark a little bit on neo if he's gonna work out but like that's a big part if your two NA young solo laners aren't getting dumpstered in this league of imports. Yeah. Um, I actually really, really liked Fake God and Saligo both. Um, and and you could tell you how, how much they've been working in Academy and, and the improvements that, they, that they're showing here. Like, the first Yone game, uh, everyone's popping off. It's coming right after the the first Yone game, <laughs> yeah. and so you, you immediately get your, your team, my team, Yone uh, type mm-hmm. of situation. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely think it was uh, another one of these positive notes because we were all very trepidatious for for a lot of these teams that uh, you know did uh, go for rebuilding strats around uh, academy players or um, you know the collegiate players for Golden Guardians and stuff like that. And this is mm-hmm. definitely one of the teams. Yeah, their game versus uh, versus EG, they they did kind of um, you know get out outclassed in that one. But even at the beginning. Uh, for that one there were some pretty good plays for them set up too yeah i mean at least it feels like it's a building point right because I, I do think dark was actually quite good in pretty much every game um the eg one did feel like the one where their soul laners kind of had the most troubles and, and to me that was like often like positioning based like soligo actually had a good start to the game i want to say it was like three and zero at one point but almost every team fight around the dragon 
Uh, it felt like Saligo was getting flanked or, or getting caught out by Chizuke and Impact, who were coordinating really well in that game to yeah. continually pick him off. And like almost every team fight started with Saligo dying on Zoe, right? Um, and that's obviously a problem. Uh, hopefully, it's one that they can they can kind of work on. Um, but you know, in that Yone game, it wasn't just Saligo that was doing really well. I did think that he was coordinating well with uh, Fake God in that one. You know, to actually have some some really good flanks themselves. So uh, I think, yeah, cautiously optimistic um, for for Dig. You know, it didn't didn't feel like depressing by any means. So <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's like, even though they're one and two, I'm sure they would have wanted to pick up some more wins. You can see how, how they could develop into a stronger team. And overall, like, I'm pretty happy with with almost all the teams, right? Like, I actually had a lot of fun watching uh, over this weekend. Yeah, we didn't really have have any teams uh, that really stood out too much as like, okay, this is like can't can't be redeemed because it was usually teams that are missing people or whatever that were having some of the bad games so I, i'm pretty happy He's i'm pretty happy with almost all the teams Who, who's letting that, you down leaving that hang hanging there that just, little little I'm wiggle pretty, room I'm pretty, well i was kind of disappointed with FlyQuest, but it's also like they didn't have jose diodo but um uh, I, was gonna, I was gonna say leave leave a comment below and who you think Papa Azale's disappointed in, but won't say it. <laughs> but now he's now he's gone out there and done it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess Flyquest and CLG are the most disappointing, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Immortals. Uh, we got Immortals moving up to another one and two team. How are you guys feeling about them? Uh, I I feel better about Dig than Immortals right now. A little, just a little bit better about Dig. I think Immortals is like not having Zerse feels really bad though when he's like the veteran stabilizing like imagine if you had dig without dardock or something you know like that would probably feel pretty miserable for them so like that's mm -hmm. that's a little why i didn't i felt worse watching their games but also held back a little bit more knowing that that more was coming uh with their with their lineup yeah they, they're the team too that um they were practicing with uh at one point four four subs i was hearing from people that were yeah. you were screaming against them so like this team is is really not not together yet, uh, and the fact that they were still able to to, to scrape together that win, um, you know, does bode well. But this is again a, a lot of this tournament is very cautious takes because yeah. uh, you know we're at varying levels of actually having the team together <laughs> and having uh, you know different well, different amounts of practice and all this types of stuff. Um, so I'm I'm basically at the same stance with this team as I was uh, at the beginning of the tournament, you know, before, before we even saw any of the games coming into it. I think I'm, I mean, there's still a big question mark about how the, the players that they're missing are going to impact the team, but I was, I was still relatively happy with the, the two constants in revenge and insanity. I think uh, revenge went up against some of the people. Gragas main. Gragas main. Now I like the idea of the flex to the Jace. It just didn't work out at all. Um, but like, I thought he actually was doing well in that game. I don't think no, that's he was, fair he to was, say. He was fine. I mean, they just never really set up pressure around the top side. I mean, their the bot lane was already doomed, right? Like, well, their yeah, bot I mean, was doomed one second into the game. He was I mean, we just didn't get the to whole see time. It. I'm not blaming revenge. I'm just saying, like, it, it had, like, a you good start. You said nothing start. happened. It was up, like, 30 CS there. There was a <laughs> Fudge had a greedy-ass recall, gave over a kill. He never had to give over. And then after that, you know, like, revenge did fine. I'm just saying it wasn't like revenge was 1v9 in the game, but his team let him down. No, but it, it, it's it, it, feel, it, feel, it just felt like a little bit unfair to revenge because I actually felt like it went pretty well for him in that lane. But his bot lane got two v two killed twice by like yeah. four minutes, <laughs> and then I mean, it's like, okay, what do you do now, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like when he runs into, I think that was the MF game from uh, from Sven, and I just remember it's like. 
you know, Lethality Jace, who Marks are supposed to be terrified of, and Ben sees him is just like gale forcing and flashing on him and killing him instantly. It's like, okay, what do I do in this situation? Blabber also tore Potluck apart a couple times yeah. too. So it was, it was it was a doomed game. Uh, I thought Revenge looked good though. I think the the weakest parts were clearly the subs. Insanity had another one of those like he almost did it plays in the early game <laughs> where he's <laughs> oh. almost really good. Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're just every time you're like he almost killed him under turret in a two v two jungle mid skirmish. Yeah. Two for road. <laughs> I mean, I, I was talking about the one where, you know, bottom lanes get 2v2 killed over and over. And you're like, ah, man, but what can we do? And then that <laughs> this game was the was the mid, mid lane 2v2 versus poke comp with Zoe getting both kills after both members. First, you have Insanity flashing under the tower, at, barely out of range of that auto. So you're like, yeah. ah, you know, that, that that's a close play. But then after following it up too, Bottle looks like, all right, me too, flashes it over one of them also. <laughs> Um, and, solidarity, just, you got to respect that. Jazuke, I mean, uh, they he was he trying was to pull something out of play. it. I do have to say, Jazuke played it really well, though. Yeah. Um, because yeah. not not everybody actually does turn around a double kill in that situation, even with the second flash, uh, going forward under the tower. But uh, Jazuke did really well to, to pull the, those two, and then you're like, this is always the rope a double kill at three minutes. Uh, they can, you know, just accelerating a poke comp is one of the worst feelings because you get the play hug your hug your tower and dodge stuff uh super mm-hmm. early on into the game yeah it's rough all right so we got c9 and eg sitting up at the top we can talk we talked about c9 a little bit earlier um overall i would say i'm 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 pretty happy with uh with how, how c9 looked you know they had the bad game number one you know even though we talked about like perks and fudge and we're like oh well maybe they're not having the greatest performances when we did the little cash or trash thing uh overall c9 as a team dominated the next two games right um i think that they looked versatile uh i think the fact that like i'm still fully bought in that perks is going to be one of the best if not the best mid laner in the league and the fact that in the next two games he didn't really have to do that much for them to absolutely crush i think does uh say something for this team we saw how good blabber was looking we saw how good uh vulcan and sven were looking they looked like i think the best bot lane out of everyone shown so far uh you can argue that they didn't have to play against you know core jj uh and who and fbi and whatnot um so that, that'll get that. shaken out <laughs> you know, that's fair, I, right but but at the very least I, I think that their performance through these games was the best right um and we'll have to see when they do actually match up against those guys how it does look but they looked incredible i think that you know c9 fans do have a lot to be excited about i'm still worried a little bit about how fudge is is gonna shake out but he's he's the youngest player in the league i i believe um i know you were asking a question about that in the stats channel kobe and i think that was the answer was that fudge is the youngest player in the entire league uh he has not played in the lcs so despite the fact that, you know, he had some big words and 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 kind of a little bit of egg on his face because he didn't look that good, he can develop, right? And he was great in the academy, surrounded by a team uh, that has a lot of experience. C9 has a great coaching staff. Uh, so if Fudge can improve throughout the split, I know that Perks is going to be crushing it. I know that that's just going to happen. And if the other three are on par, uh, then, then this is going to be an incredibly good team. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these, like, oh, uh, then Cloud9's next two games were so much better. Yeah, they went to playing uh, Immortals and Dig after that. And, like, oh, TSM's yep. last game was was their best game. Yeah, yeah that was the one where they're against CLG, eliminating uh, uh, the, fir- the first team from the tournament, too. Uh, it, it definitely plays a part in it, but uh, I, I agree for the takes on Cloud9. 
yes, of course. Um, you know, I, we still stand by our end of spring standings. This is mm-hmm. the beginning of the lock-in tournament. Um, so there's still a lot that needs to get put together. I am seeing, though, where uh, last episode when I was mentioning, you know, some of the uh, other coaches in the league were, were telling me they think Fudge has been overrated. I can see where that sentiment come from, uh, came from uh, in, in these first few games. I still have full confidence, um, and I'm, I really want Fudge to continue to be a strong personality, continue to, um, you know, making strong statements. Maybe take a breather after you take some losses and stuff. Um, keep, but, uh, double down. Yeah, but I, want, I wanted to get back out there because it was really funny. Then um, at the end of the weekend, we had, I had an interview with DeMonte after the, the 100 Thieves game, and he doesn't mention him by name, but he's like, you know, one other thing. Some of the other rookies coming into the league. Pretty cringe. Probably keep your mouth shut. It's pretty cringe. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's hilarious. Because then everybody's like, oh, I know who he's talking about. Um, <laughs> but like those things are really, they, they keep some fun, you know, some some spice of the league. I mean, and you have to have two parts for yeah. the, for that to exist. If everybody's just, just like. double down on it to say, I didn't even have to try. I played with one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Played just with keep... one hand and went two and one. I mean. <laughs> The, the the Lord of Trash Talk himself, Double Lift, defended him. Uh, his his trash talk on stream. So I think he's got a free pass. Good. Keep going, perfect. <laughs> All right, EG, uh, are they are they this good? Were they really underrated, or is it just a hot start in week one of lock in, and and it doesn't really change your opinions? Both. You know who? Yeah, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> oh no, no, you go. Okay. Um, uh, they were definitely very underrated. Um, I, we were all reacting to some of the, the public flame on the announcement video where I was like, why are people, you know, flaming definitely this hard? Yes, mm-hmm. that's the most underwhelming part of the announcement of the signing. Um, but like uh, people were just acting like they wanted to burn it all down now. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like re- relax a little bit. Um, and, and he, he really has, has showed up, uh, especially a lot of the Kaisa games, super yeah. enjoyable watching him go in for these kills. Yes. Kaisa is in a state right now where I, I'm like these 80 carries it's, it's really getting to their heads where they, they've got all these, you know, execute. gale forcing in. They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just slap that nerf down real quick on that item. Uh, it's getting 30, 30 seconds longer cooldown at least on the next patch. But, um, uh, that being said, uh, he's played a lot of the, you know, one B ones with perks and, uh, a lot of these scenarios quite well, uh, for the team. So I think that most people watching, that's where, uh, a lot of the concerns were, they were like, okay, there's two things with this lineup. Uh, definitely in the bottom lane, and then Jazuke. Is is this still like a coin we're flipping, or you know what's going on? We were seeing a lot of the positives, and I, that was one of the things where I was really happy to see him come mm-hmm. back after you know being benched and all this stuff stuff happening last last split, and ending up last split with some of the worst stats in the entire league. He still got it. You still have have the the high point that people always point to with Jazuke. So. So this made me like really excited for this team. Those two things combined. Yeah, I mean, even even if the the coin starts landing on the other side, you know, at the very least, you have more pieces around him that will perform better in uh, Ignar and uh, Impact. Impact. Like those those are the two other big signings, you know, for this team that really showed up. I mean, Impact was the best top laner easily uh, of of the weekend. Uh, yeah, we talked already about that. It was, it was Renekton. Yeah, probably best player who got MVP for us. But like. Yes, it was 
over an Ecton pick, but like what he showed on the champion is why I think we all gave him the award. Like his ability to find flanks, his timing on those flanks, always being in the right position, knowing how to coordinate with his team, like that kind of veteran stuff that's like hard to learn, right? When you get into the league, like don't stand with your team, even though you're the front line, like get behind and find those angles, come from weird spots. Like he was so good about that. Um, and, and Ignar is a great playmaker. And I think, you know, Sven is happy to play with people who want to go in with him. Sven is like, he, he is a little like Jusuke, whereas like, I'm going to go for the same play because it's the right play in my mind, even if like my team isn't like always 100% with me. And so like when, when Sven's on bad teams, he looks terrible, but he actually is so good and he just needs his team to back him up. Like his, his rough TSM days, you know, before they start when they had yellow star, like people thought he looked terrible, but then next split, he looks incredible. He, he was going for the same stuff largely. Um, so that's why I think when EG was struggling last year, now they're looking good. Sven's popping off as well. And to me too, just to add on real quickly on the on the Jizuke point, the thing that made me most happy was the Sinja game where in moments where he does not have his flash, in moments where they do not have control of River, these are the moments where he's playing super well by avoiding the target on his back. There's so many windows where I was like, oh, they blew his flash. Jizuke is going to be a sitting duck right now on this Sinja. You know, everybody's looking to try and make the play, punish it. Um, but there were a lot of things that kind of went by without action and in which I was like, oh, my God, he didn't die. They, like <laughs> he played a lot of the, the downtime moments really mm-hmm. well, uh, in addition to keeping up the pressure during the, the moments where he's strong. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, thought that he- was good in coordinating with the team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I actually think all three of his games were really good. The Rise game, he was super active on the map, moving around, you know, finding plays. Uh, the Zoe game, he he was popping off, albeit yes, he was kind of gifted that double that kill early three minutes, mistake. baby. <laughs> uh, you know, he got a couple of kills, um, but you know he played that very well, and he he snowballed the lead well. <laughs> the only real like blip on the radar, and I kind of actually really enjoyed seeing it, was when he just stood under the tower on Zoe, auto attacking it while the bot lane slowly. Oh, I up forgot and about like that play. Them, and they just kept auto attacking the turret until he died. <laughs> uh... like, like that one was like. I couldn't even understand like what the what thought process was. <laughs> that was just like uh, that was that was definitely uh, a really really funny one. Uh, but that was the only play, and then he immediately went back to owning it up in that game. So uh, I kind of loved that. I kind of actually really enjoyed that. That was <laughs> he got a little bit of that Jizuke style in there. It's still so. me. Yes, yeah. you're not. Oh <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, I'm also really happy for Deathly uh, about like how much people were like, well, this would have been a good roster if they didn't get that idiot. Uh, and then he, he popped off really hard. And yeah. Deathly's number one fan or whatever that Reddit account is, is uh, living life large right now. <laughs> All right, well, he'd love to see it. Now on to the Honda MVP section. Thank you, Honda, for supporting the dive. We love you. Uh, the MVP is most often the impact, most impactful player. But today, I want to ask you guys, what do you think is the most impactful role uh, after week one, you know, we've seen some LPL, we've seen some LSK, we got first week of lock in. What's the best role in the game? I feel like we're probably going to be aligned, but we'll see. We'll see. I actually you want me to start? First. I'm yeah, going to just I'm go like, with my own role here. Jungle feeling pretty good at the moment. Uh, I feel like there are just so many options uh, with Jungle right now. Um, I was talking about like even just me with just choosing two champions, uh, like, like Ivern and Pantheon. Um, there are just so many directions I could go. And, and for pro play a lot too. Um, I think that the teams have been playing really well around it. So there's, to me, there's all this best role in league. 
um, is usually a two-role discussion. It's usually, all right, is jungle more OP right now or is mid lane more OP right now? Because those mm -hmm. are the two that have a lot of income and can roam around the entire map for the entire game because you're positioned either mid or literally everywhere, everywhere. With, with jungles. So it, it, there's only some times in the history of League where one of the other ones creeps up. And it's during things like Ardent Sensor meta, where you're just like, oh my god, these AD carries with these busted buffs all over them. Or the first, first four yeah. seasons of League. Or like Juggernaut. Or uh, what what was the, the term where they reworked and we had like Mordekaiser Juggernaut. gameplay? Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. Juggernaut. Uh, like that, I had to block that out of, my, out of my memory. Yeah, I, I think it's jungle and it doesn't even feel close to me right now. Like the the fact that even even if you compare to to last year just even in as far as pro play like there was times last year where the junglers were like the level of the supports and stuff and really struggling with experience we had a lot of games where at least at some point the jungler is the highest level in the game higher level than their solo laners higher level than the opposing solo laners um you know out farming sometimes they're even their own solo laners they have more options than they've ever had before because you're not now tied to building your jungle item and then play the game. I actually think that was a great change uh, for the same reason that I loved that supports no longer had to go like upgrade your, your site stone all the way to max and then play the game. You know, like it, it gives you more item diversity. Um, and then I think it, it, it allows for some of those really, really strong combinations like Gale Force Graves. And obviously he has the other builds and we have, you know, Moonstone Renewer and Leandries on, on Lilia and these different ways that I think really amplify the strength that the champions already had because they don't have to go for that just generic jungle item. Sure, there were some exceptions where it's like Hecarim skipped it and went Triforce, but generally speaking, everyone pretty much had to go for a jungle item. Um, so I, I think jungle is incredibly strong right now. And, and at pro level, I think jungle is always really, really strong uh, because the coordination aspect of it just makes the role better when people are playing for the jungler and setting up lanes for the jungler to dive and gank and do things. Uh, it feels like it's going to be a, a great year for good junglers. Big agree. Big, big agree. Here's my my plus one. Sign Sweet. That That's the second use you've got out of that. Let's keep yeah. it going, Mark. I'll All right. Great, you, uh... great contribution here, Mark. This yeah. is why they pay me to come on this show. You're my Honda MVP for that agree. contribution, Mark. <laughs> plus one. All right. I'm the hype man. Uh, I'm like, yeah, Zale, that's a great point, man. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. See, that that's better. That's that's a plus I'll one. Try and be more your, your second try. Your, your yeah. Second try was oh, better. yeah. Good. Yeah. Damn, okay. I didn't think about it like that before. Wow. But when you say it like that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> this is good. This is good. I can use uh, this. All right, we got some Twitter questions here. This one comes from Glenn uh, Sergey von Games. He says, as a college student and somebody who is potentially interested in working in esports as an analyst, would having a certain major better my chances of getting a job? Your response will not make my decision, but I am interested in your take. I would say I would say no. Um, maybe if it's like in broadcast or something. But to to be honest, people just care about how good you are at it, uh, and not really what your education background is. Uh, as far as like if you're talking about being an analyst, like on on a broadcast or something, I've never once been asked like what my educational background is. You know, I. I didn't go to university. I was in programming straight out of high school and stuff like Kobe's engineering degree did not get him, him the job at riot to cast video games. Um, I think it matters zero. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, there's times when if I like I'm on staff and I'm hiring, I would consider it. And I had considered it. Um, if I was hiring for a more numerical oriented analyst position, um, there were times where I would be building spreadsheets and data entry. And so if you have any sort of, 
data management background, if you know how to work databases, um, even like tangentially related things like economics or any, any, any profession that worked with numbers and spreadsheets and mm -hmm. those kinds of things, I, I would, I would like be more interested. Um, but at the end of the day, to mm -hmm. his point, like I cared what you knew about league and especially if you had a portfolio, I think a portfolio is the most important thing you can possibly have when you're applying some way to demonstrate like, Hey, I already am providing value in this capacity. You don't need to level me up. Like I have ideas of my own and this kind of stuff that you can bring, even if I think they're trash, like I'd rather see someone with like ideas and I can be like, Oh no, not this one, but maybe this one kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I started this one out nodding. No, because you know, this is always the, the like general question of like, you know, there, there's no degree that exists for, for esports or for, uh, for this type of thing. And what people care about are your skills that you're bringing. Um, but I would say that this is more nuanced and, and that's always the general answer of like, nah, man, you could do whatever you want. Um, there are things that you can use to get small bumps and, and to build those skills and focus them more clearly. Obviously, like, you know, if you're spending your time, um, you know, doing something completely unrelated, that's not going to give you a, a benefit or, or potentially uh, increase your chance as, as the question is worded. So if you want a mm -hmm. slight increase, there are little things um, that are always like, it's always nice to have like, Dash has an acting background. Um, and, and that's not like, that doesn't get him the job. That doesn't deny other people job, but that, that's a nice little benefit that can add, um, you know, a slight increase because you know there are moments like this is literally all on air like uh, like i it's it's all performance based um and like me having an engineering background i never thought i would be in like a on live performance uh type of scenario but um but here here we are so like degrees don't make or break you your job interview but i i would say yeah. there are small things to be fair to the person too, said, does it give them better chances? And I would say, yeah, actually, yeah, depending on what you're doing as well. Like, mm -hmm. um, if you have a, uh, uh, oh my God, sports uh, psychology degree or some sort of like a business, like some of those kinds of things can can, can help um, if you're like applying more for a coach thing as well. If you're going to be working closer with players, um, and I don't think you know, revenge having his uh, pre med thing, you know, because he he brought that up on air and everyone was memeing it. Uh, you know, I, I think no one would give him a chance if he didn't have that, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's Definitely. what you get out of it. You get to be able to drop it and, and try and gloat and then everyone meme on you for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pre-med, by the way. <laughs> I, I think I think at the end of the day, it's like having the degree doesn't do anything for you. But the skills that you learn during the the, the like, yeah. right. If you during dropped out while right. studying that thing, you would probably have just as good a chance as if you actually completed yeah, it. Like, yeah. Or, or just an actual certificate doesn't matter. But you just, may learn things along the way that could be very, very useful like the acting or, or like you know yeah. broadcast stuff or, or whatever but um yeah uh, cool question all right we got the next one here this one's from architect of death Ooh, uh watching the dive law right as <laughs> would you say Ooh. tsm's acquisition of tsm sword art is still a good move if they always lose their 2v2 but the shot calling wins 90 percent of their games all right so this is obviously very theoretical but if i win 90 percent of my games i don't care if one lane loses all the time right like if 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 he's just this mastermind shot caller and you are going to win 90% of your games always, well, you're probably going to win Worlds. Actually, you're for sure going to win Worlds, right? If you just win 90% of, of your games throughout the entire <laughs> Maybe year. Maybe he's so saying 90% yes. of their wins come from the shot calling. No, he says 90, calling, the I shot know, calling I mean, wins 90% of their games. I mean, obviously, this is the most hyper 
hyperbolic question of all time. You always lose 2v2. It's literally impossible to win 2v2. Yeah. But then you win well, every you win game. 90%, but 90% <laughs> win rate throughout the entire year. Yeah, duh. I would take that. Um, yeah, because that like, means you win worlds. In the spirit of the question... Is that the spirit of the question? Maybe I just answered the question perfectly. And he's like, what is this market you're talking about? All right, for it. You know what? I'll drop it. I'm over now it. Now you can go. Plus uh, one. I agree. Great <laughs> point, man. Uh, I think, one, it's a little early to be like, oh, my God, their their bot lane sucks. and it's, But, you know, he's so good at shot calling. I think any sort of question like this is a little extreme. But I would say depending on what else your roster has, it can be fine to have like a slightly weaker laning phase if it's going to pay off in other ways later in the game. There's a ton of supports over the course of League's history who have not been lane dominant, but have had great performances internationally with their other skills. Uh, even in NA, you know, like even like a guy like Zazel when, when they made their run, uh, I mean, he did have some good performances against, uh, was it Afrika? Um, but like, you know, the, the especially a support position, being able to make plays and shot call and these kinds of things is, is super valuable. So I think having a slightly weaker laning phase for the support position is probably one of the more acceptable places to have it. All right. Seems like Kobe's good with that. We got the next one here from Scott Gluck. Uh, he says, okay, the dive lol with the incorporation of OCE players into LCS, the new splitless format and teams being willing to fully rebuild. Do you see an expansion to 12 teams as something feasible possibly for the 2022 season? Uh... <laughs> Kobe, what do you think? <laughs> Mark can only plus Great one. Mark. Mark, can one. O- Mark can only a plus one other opinion. So I literally I disagreed say... with Isaiah last time. I negative one. Plus him. one, Mark. I threw a negative <laughs> multiplier on I'll top write it of out his here for you. Mark, if you, if you don't draw it out for me, I, I'm not going to believe you. You get no credit. Uh, make All right, it, make fine. Piece of paper. I... Make another piece of paper. Here no. you go, Mark. Plus one. <laughs> Thanks, man. That looks incredible. Um, I feel so I, much better. I would say it's definitely uh, feasible. Uh, and again, like terminology there makes it super easy because, uh, it, you know, it doesn't have to be guaranteed or anything. But um, I remember when we moved from eight to 10 teams um, and I was thinking, ah, man, this is kind of a stretch. Uh, but coming right after, you know, week one of lock-in tournament and we're seeing all these good performances from, you know, teams with multiple collegiate players in addition to academy players and, uh, all the variants coming out. Yeah, I, I say for sure. Uh, in another year, it'd be um, it'd be feasible to to move to twelve teams to predict that. I I wouldn't predict it. Um, I definitely would say at some point we'll probably expand. Um, you know, as we get more and more um, solidified with with the teams that we have, and uh, we keep seeing the the bar kind of rising, and we keep seeing you know these these tournaments between amateur as well as Academy, as well as LCS, and you get more crossover there. Um, that Those are super exciting to see, and you can have more, you know, prom- promotion-style uh, things. Uh, I'd say for sure, for sure. Feasible. Negative one, Kobe. You're a big dum-dum. It doesn't matter about the Let me the see players. the paper. Let me it's... see the paper, Mark. No sign. I don't care. That's what I think <laughs> about you. Okay, okay. That um, works. I, I, like, I like prop comedy. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think... So the, the the player talent is obviously an Let's important on that one, Mark. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously important to have like talent to actually put on these rosters, whether it's developmental or not. But a much bigger part of it is actually the ecosystem around it. And if if like you can actually support a whole other org with like the fan bases that exist, are there is anyone going to care about this team? Are they going to be able to secure sponsorships, or is this just going to be some some like 
nothing organization that has nothing to contribute to the scene. Because if that's the case where they're losing money, uh, you're stretching out resources even further that, that the league doesn't really have. Like those are bigger concerns for me than like, am I going to want to watch the 12th place team? The answer is always no. There's always going to be worse teams and best teams. And like, <laughs> I think that those kinds of things matter, but like what matters a lot more is the broader ecosystem. You're the worst. I don't want to watch you. Number 12. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you again, Honda, for making this episode possible. And remember, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. And please go sub to the new LCS YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash LCS. That is where the dive is coming out now. If your friends are looking for the episodes, point them over to youtube.com slash LCS. Uh, you can also send us all your questions on Twitter with using the hashtag uh, dive LOL, the dive LOL. You can tag us as well. And you can send us your voice messages on the anchor.fm page. Simply go to anchor.fm, search the dive, or you can Google it. Easy peasy. We'll be back next week after a little bit more action from the lock-in tournament. See you guys then.